well, interrupt your normally scheduled programming, bring you this important message. Uh, we're going to talk about shepherding this morning. Um, so welcome to Sunday School. And the topic near to my heart, um, I don't feel like I did it justice, so just FYI, you could, you could do a, a variety of things with this. You could do a whole teaching just on, or probably many teachings on just Christ being our shepherd. Um, there's so much here, so um, hope you get something out of it, and uh, yeah, let's begin with a word of prayer. Our great God and Father, Lord, we praise your name today. We thank you for another day to be with your people in your house on your day, to lift up praise to you, lift up our prayers to you, to be fed from you and your word, to see uh, Christ uh, pictured to us. Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit even now as we uh, enter this Sunday school hour. You'd be with us, that you would uh, teach us your ways. Uh, be our shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Okay, so does anyone know off the top what the last verse of Psalm 119 is? I know you all have it memorized. <laughs> Someone can turn there, and uh, if you have the short handout, we're going to just cover a lot of scripture today, so I invite readers, um, so the very last verse of Psalm 119, verse 176, that's right. <laughs> Not too far off. Sure, go for it. That's right. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. So let's consider the psalmist. Quickly, this man of God who wrote such a beautiful, poetic piece of scripture and yet confessed his wandering heart. Uh, if you just keep your thumb there in Psalm 119, I'm going to go through some of the verses. Um, the same psalmist who wrote in verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. In verse 47, I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. In verse 62, at midnight I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. In verse 72, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. In verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. In verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. In verse 105, 
Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In verse 114, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. In 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. And in verse 174, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. So can you see, can you hear the psalmist's joy, his longing for, delight in, and praise of God and his law? Can we see that? If this same psalmist confessed in the very last verse to going astray like a lost sheep, how much more must we confess that we are too often also like lost sheep and in need of shepherding? Robert Robinson later expressed his own wandering from the fount of every blessing in the words, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Children, I've got a question for you. Can you think of any people in the Bible who praised God one minute and went astray the next? They're praising God, and then they're not believing Him or doing something really bad. Any takers? Yes, sir. I hate man. It's like read my mind. Lots of people. Lots of people we could think of. Um, Noah getting off the ark, getting drunk. Um, Abraham hearing directly from God and lying about Sarai. But yes, the Israelites are the prime example. How about the whole nation? Uh, turn to Exodus fourteen. Yeah, I think I wrote that down wrong. It should be at verse 30 and 31. Exodus 14 and 30 and 31. have a reader? Ken, all right. So think about it. This is the paramount moment of salvation in the Old Testament. Imagine being there. You just saw God's parting of the Red Sea. Literally, the waters being a wall to the left and the right. While the Israelites crossed safely before God drowned the pursuing Egyptians after them. You see their dead corpses. Israel was there. All the children of Israel saw God's works, 
And we just read it. They feared him and they believed him. They appropriately worshipped him and sang the song of Moses in the very next verses in chapter 15. And then, how long did it take? Turn just a chapter over, Exodus 16. We'll read verses 1 through 3. So the same congregation or flock that was the children of Israel, the same flock that passed safely through the sea, saw God's works, feared and believed the Lord, complained and cried, oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Sadly, we can all relate to this, right? How many times have we heard of the salvation and promises of our Lord in His Word or in the preaching of the Word? Or how many times have we sung His praises or tasted His goodness in the Lord's Supper or given the right answer to our parents in family worship? And in the next week or day or hour, we are snared in the works of our flesh. We are just like the Israelites committing spiritual adultery. We are indeed prone to wander, and hence shepherding is essential. So as we've no doubt learned and embraced covenant theology, um, we acknowledge that Christ has given and charged shepherds of his church in both testaments of Scripture. They're not two separate ideas. After Moses was charged to lead out and shepherd God's people, and when he came near to death, we read in Numbers 27, 15 to 17, Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in. And the next portion is why. So he's asking God, set up a man for this purpose right here. That the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. We had just seen their behavior, right? Believing God one minute, fearing Him one minute, and the next completely doubting. They needed a shepherd. 
And in those following verses in Numbers 27, Joshua is commissioned to lead and shepherd Israel. How about this, children? What was David's job before he was anointed king? Very good. Thank you. He was a shepherd. Let's turn to Psalm 78. Verses 70 to 72. This tells us why God set up David as king. We have a reader for that one. Psalm 78, 70 to 72. There you, go. there you go. He also chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfold, from following the ewes that had young, that had young he had brought him to shepherd Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. Very good. Thank you. He took David to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. So David was a shepherd, became king, he continued to be a shepherd, right? Shepherding people instead. Now, shepherding was also a joint effort and not meant to fall on the shoulders of one man. We can see principles of New Testament pluralities of elders, even in the Old Covenant. Exodus 4.29, there we read, Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered, all, gathered together all the child, elders of the children of Israel. And that was when they were first beginning to do the signs before Pharaoh. So clearly there were elders in Israel set up already. Moses also, after being worn out, so to speak, received advice from Jethro in Exodus 18. Anyone want to read that one? Exodus 18, verse 17 through 21. Notice some of the qualifiers there. 
able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. Good little list there. So, plurality in leadership. The Apostle Paul appointed elders, plural, in every church. You see that in Acts 14. Hashtag Presbyterianism. Thank you. <laughs> but listen, to this, the same apostle warned the elders of Ephesus in Acts 20. Turn there. Just wanted to get one hashtag in, okay? <clears throat> Acts 20. Verses 28 and 29. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So briefly, there's another reason for shepherding. We covered going astray, wandering, wolves attacking. It's another reason. But see what a charge this is. What a charge and calling our elders, all elders, even men entering our officer training, have to shepherd the church of God. To shepherd the church of God, which our Lord Jesus purchased with his own blood. To care for, to nurture, to pursue, to discipline. Or as our BCO states in several places, to feed and tend the flock, to watch diligently over the people committed to their charge, to visit the people, especially the sick, Instruct the ignorant, comfort the mourning, and nourish and guard the children of the covenant to pray with and for the people. These are some of the ways elders are to shepherd well. It's a good list. I recommend BCO chapter 8. But let's consider some of God's warnings to the Old Testament elders and shepherds who neglected these important duties. Turn to Jeremiah 23. We'll have a reader for verses 1 and 2. God says, you have not attended to them. Interesting. I found that an enlightening phrase. Shepherds of the church must attend to the flock, or God will deal with them. 
says, I will attend to you. That's not a good attending. Or Ezekiel 34. Turn there. This whole chapter is incredible. We heard it yesterday on the uh, elder call. Um, we're going to read a little bit more of the chapter later, but the whole chapter is amazing. It's just really long. Um, so let's start with verses 1 through 10. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened. Nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and no one was seeking or searching for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey, and my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouths, that they may no longer be food for them. Our God does not play around with shepherds who do not shepherd his people. Woe to those shepherds, he says. I am against those shepherds, he says. And you see a lot more reasons there for the need of shepherding again. Um, weak ones being strengthened, sick ones being healed, broken ones being bound up. We know these things. Consider the contrast from the Apostle Peter. Let's turn to 1 Peter 5. Here we see the positive side. First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. We get a reader for that one. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. 
Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. Uh, four. Uh, and when the chief shepherd appears, uh, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Very good. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Again, we see the seriousness of the charge from the Apostle Peter. I exhort you, he says. Shepherd the flock, serve willingly, eagerly. Children, another question. I know you all know this one. What is the fifth commandment? Very good. Honor your father and mother. The first commandment with a promise, the Apostle Paul says. You remember what he says in that chapter of Ephesians? Children, honor your father and mother that... Okay, that's the Exodus promise. And then the Apostle Paul, you can turn there, Ephesians 5, I think, or 6. 6. I just want you to see this. Ephesians 6, verse 3 says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. That it may be well with you. So likewise, all of us here, children and adults, knowing that we go astray and wander, as we've discussed, our job as Christ's lambs is to honor our church elders who are our shepherds. Hebrews 13, 17. Turn there. Hunter, can you read that one? I'm just going to call on people. <laughs> Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Get a picture of how we are to honor our church elders, those in authority over us. Very good. Again, you see the connecting word there for tells us why we should obey those who rule over us. For they watch out for our souls. Again, this is a wonderfully double-edged verse, but our elders again are charged as those who care for our souls, as those who will give an account. And the sheep are told, this is for your good that it may go well with us. Obedience and submission should lead to profit, 
Can we not see this from what we said earlier? Who of us does not desire earnest, willing service to our souls for our well-being? Who of us does not desire to be known, nurtured, pursued, and disciplined for our good? Who of us does not... I'm sorry. We should, we should long to be visited, instructed, comforted, prayed for, that we may, and I'm just going to go right into Ephesians 4 here, that we may be equipped for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Listen to this, to mature manhood. And the, the preface to that section in Ephesians is Christ gave the apostles, prophets, shepherds, teachers, right? so that we can be equipped, so that we can grow up to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. No longer tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Maturity, growing up into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So much profit here, so much goodness here that it may go well with us. It's good for us to have shepherds and it's good for us to honor and submit to them. So church, may this be our aim. Maturity in Christ. Love and building up of the body. May this be our aim. And praise be to God that we have such shepherds that equip us here at Heritage. I speak as one who has benefited greatly from these men. The incredibly difficult discipline case that we heard of a few weeks ago, I can assure you, was handled with the utmost care and through tears. We have shepherds who are not afraid to look us in the eye and say, Brother, your family needs you right now. Seminary can wait. We have shepherds who ensure we are fed with the Word of God every Lord's Day. Morning and evening, we have the gift of the Lord's Supper every week. We have their prayers. We have so much. May our God raise up more men full of the Spirit who will show the same sort of care for His bride. Shepherding is essential. But of course, our shepherds are not perfect. Sorry, Pastor. At least not these. We have one who is, right? the great shepherd of the sheep, even our Lord Jesus. So let's turn back to Jeremiah, the same passage in which 
God was condemning the shepherds of Israel who were not doing their job, makes a wonderful promise. Uh, in verses 3 through 6. I'll read it. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall be lacking, says the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper, and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. Wonderful promise there. And in Ezekiel, back to Ezekiel 34. Again, the same chapter in which God is condemning the shepherds who are not, who are scattering Israel, who are not tending to them, didn't bind up their wounds didn't strengthen them. God assures us in verse 11. I'm going to read 11 through 16 and then 23 through 31. It's a little long, but it's not the whole chapter. Okay. God, the true shepherd. For thus says the Lord God, indeed, I myself will search out will search for my sheep and seek them out. The thing that the shepherds were not doing, pursuing and seeking. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples to gather them from the countries, and I will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel in the valleys and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture, and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the, on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord. Tones of Psalm 23 there, right? I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. Listen, he's going to do what the shepherds didn't do. I will bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. And then down to 23. I will establish one shepherd over them and he shall feed them, my servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. That great covenant theology refrain there. I will be their God. And my servant, David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken. 
I will make a covenant of peace with them and cause wild beasts to cease from the land, and they will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I will make them and all the places around my hill a blessing. And I will cause showers to come down in their season, and there shall be showers of blessing. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase. They shall be safe in their land, and they shall know that I am the Lord. When I have broken the hands, the bands of their yoke, and delivered them from the hand of those who enslave them. They shall no longer be a prey for the nations, nor shall beasts of the land devour them. But they shall dwell safely, and no one shall make them afraid. I will raise up for them a garden of renown, and they shall no longer be consumed with hunger in the land, nor bear the shame of the Gentiles any more. Thus shall they know that I, the Lord, their God, am with them. And they, the house of Israel, are my people, says the Lord God. Verse 31, you are my flock, the flock of my pasture. You are men, and I am your God, says the Lord God. So yes, we have a great shepherd in God, our Father, in Christ, our Savior. And even in the Spirit, our strengthener, our comforter. Um, we have shepherds here also. Again, praise God for that. And, uh, yeah, let's not forget that we should do our part in honoring and submitting. I tell you that it, it really takes being open and honest with your shepherds so that they know how to shepherd you. So that's all I have. Any questions, comments? We've done it a little early. But. All right, let's pray. Oh Lord, our God, we do have wandering hearts. We pray that you would seek your servants, that you would pursue us, chase us down, Lord, until we turn to you, turn to Christ, our great shepherd. Lord, keep us in your grace. Keep us in your safety. Oh, help us to long for the promises that we just heard of being in a land without fear, which we know ultimately speaks of heaven. And Lord, keep us. In the meantime, keep us from the devices and craftiness of the world, of our flesh, and of Satan. Lord, use your shepherds here at Heritage to shepherd us, to keep us from going astray, to keep us from following false doctrine, from uh, all the things that we just read. Lord, use the shepherds here to bind up our wounds, to strengthen us when we are weak. We're grateful for them, Lord. We pray that you'd bless them and their families. We pray you'd be with us this day as we worship you in spirit and truth. May we be fed from your word and encouraged for another week of service to you. Lord, be with our pastor as he brings the word. Holy Spirit, bring the word with power. 
pierce our hearts to the division of soul and marrow, that we may be changed, that we may be mature in Christ and grow up and build this body up in love. In Jesus' name, amen.